Hello and welcome to our first edition of our brand new German Bundesliga podcast. So here today we have uh, Rory who, and myself, Mark Broadhurst, and we are going to be doing the, uh, the show every week. So today's going to be a preview of the Bundesliga, okay, of the Bundesliga 2020 to 2021 season. So we're going to kind of go through the main topics and the main talking points ahead of the season, which starts on the 18th, which is next Friday. So let's let's start with the, probably the, the main topic today, which is going to be obviously the title challenge. So um, so Rory, do, do you have any kind of uh, early front runners, any, any teams that you fancy to run away with the title this year? Yeah, well, um, I think I think it's pretty obvious to say that some of the the usual contenders are are going to be up there again this season. Um, Bayern Munich, after their stellar stellar campaign last season, obviously won everything there was to win. Uh, obviously, a treble season that that they'll you know live long in the memory. Um, obviously, they're they're going to be right up there. Um, as a strong as a strong team that you're not gonna be able to get up that many other teams that'll that'll even challenge them um however um there's always going to be a bit of competition early doors in the season so i think given the the kind of current situation how the squad sit as as we're doing this recording right now um RB Leipzig are, are going to have a, a decent shot. They've they've obviously come close on a number of occasions now, um, but have been falling just short. Um, again, it feels like Bayern have been strengthening more so, and and other clubs such as RB um, have been kind of struggling to hold on to their stellar players. Um, so it's kind of like that pull of the the bigger teams. Um, so. RB, I think, certainly be up there as a challenger. Um, and then obviously Borussia Dortmund keep on are always in the conversation, but always seemingly the you know the bridesmaid rather than the bride. Um however, obviously they're they're always up for up for the fight. Usually make a, a half decent start to the season. So if they can put a bit of pressure on Bayern early doors, then who knows? Um I know they're gonna be playing each other fairly early doors in the season as well. So that could be an interesting game. Um, again, probably a lot of the competition for the title race depends on how the next, well, month goes, obviously, in the transfer market. Um, if, for example, Dortmund keep a hold of Sancho, then they're going to be a lot stronger um, in terms of competing game game to game. So, yeah, it, it's certainly going to be an interesting mix of, of those three Plus, you never know the odd dark horse here and there. Yeah, I think while I agree with you on most of those points, I think there is one team there that I would add to the kind of title mix. I would say Bayer Leverkusen. Um, if you look at the way that they finished the last season under Peter Bosch, I think I was really, really impressed with them. And I think while many people would say, OK, they lost Kai Havertz, but I think um, they can reinvest that money into some real quality. And I think... Obviously, in, in just in the last few days, they have signed Patrick Schick as well, who who really impressed me on loan from um, from um, at Leipzig last year. Obviously, they've signed him permanently from Roma after a bit of a kind of failed stint there, really in Roma after being highly rated. 
Um, but I think, yeah, I think in general, I do like the look. I, I am a big fan of Peter Bosch as well. I think like he, he has a good record, obviously, taking Ajax to the Europa League final a few years ago. He had a bit of an unlucky stint at Dortmund, but I think uh, Leverkusen has really kind of rebuilt his reputation. I like the style of football that they play as well. Like they score absolutely bags of goals. Like, yeah. actually after lockdown last year, like it was just magnificent. Yeah. Are there any players for, for uh, Leverkusen that really stand out, Rory? Um, I mean, I have a squad at the moment. There's there's obviously a couple of decent players that, that are still knocking around. But I, I do think there's a big gap gap to fill with regards to Havertz. I think he was obviously their, their stellar player. Um, so obviously the kind of the pressure is ultimately going to fall on some of those other players to to you know, breach the gap that those goals and assists have, have gone. And obviously Havertz was a, obviously he's a young player, but he was also, he was also a club, you know, the club captain for um, the team. So there's obviously going to have to be certain players that, that step up and, and, you know, play a bit more consistent, consistently rather than showing up every so often. Someone like Leon Bailey, for example, uh, he, he loves showing up in big games, um, but, whether he does it on a consistent basis is another question. Yeah, I think that's the uh, that's the uh, main issue with uh, with the Bundesliga and probably why Bayern have been so dominant over the years. I think uh, teams have just struggled to get that consistency. You know, like you've you've seen it before with teams like Leverkusen, uh, Leipzig, obviously um, BVB as well. Like they can be absolutely brilliant on the day. They can turn over the obviously the way that Leipzig turned over Atletico. A lot of people would have been wondering, like, why, like, why were these so short in the Bundesliga, you know? But I think yeah. that's what it depends on, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, there is massively that that level of consistency, and and even in a even in a season last season where it was so stop start, and even when Bayern had ultimately a stinker at the start of the season, where obviously they chopped and changed their manager, um, they were you know as low down as fourth or fifth at one point. Uh, well into the season as well and then obviously perhaps the break in terms of you know the lockdown might have helped them just recharge a little bit but after that there was absolutely no question they just came steamrolling back and then just won it out of canter again so even in the season where they ultimately struggled they've still won it quite easily so again going into a fresh new season if Bayern get off to a good start then it's hard to look past anyone um, like Bayern. Yeah, I think that is a good point because historically Bayern have been slightly slow starters. Like I think it's a little bit unclear. Obviously, a lot of Bayern players are internationals and quite often they have like international games and these very big kind of long international tours to America or to China. And I think that could be part of the reason why Bayern kind of come out of the blocks a little bit slow. But I think that is key. I think it it's hard to disagree with the fact that if Bayern do come firing out of the blocks, then it's going to be really, really hard to stop them, even more than ever. Because obviously this, uh, in contrast to what I said at the end of season review, that I think this Bayern side has kind of gone on to prove themselves as a great Bayern side, really. Obviously with the Champions League win, which Rory predicted, by the way. So I hope you won your cash <laughs> with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I think yeah, I think um, it, it's a good uh, starting point. Yeah, and obviously myself living in Germany as well. I, for those of you that don't know, I live in Nuremberg, which is near to Munich actually, and uh, quite a lot of people are frustrated by the dominance of Bayern. 
I think they've won now eight titles in a row since Jurgen Klopp managed to win the title in 2012. So what do you think about that, Rory? Do you think it's maybe bad for the Bundesliga, the fact that Bayern do keep winning it? Yeah, very much so. Um, obviously, as a league that, that I follow closely and, and kind of watch and support as well, you do you always want a competitive title race. Um, ultimately, just as lockdown finished, I was really excited about the fact that there was a couple of teams involved in it still. But as I said, it, it kind of you know evaporated after a few games because because those teams around Bayern like fell away really quickly. Um, so I think it, it's vital for the interest in the league that there's a there's a bit more competition at the top of the table. Um, hope I'm wrong in saying that. I don't feel like it's going to be like that this season, but the way the way the teams are shaping up right now. Um, but yeah, massively. I think obviously similar sort of thing with the Premier League uh, as Liverpool completely ran away with it. You know, interest starts to kind of dwindle a little bit. So yeah, massively. Definitely want a competitive title title race this season. That'd be great. Yeah, I think everyone agrees with you, Rory. I think we we would all like to see another winner. I think, do you know, there's even some funny stories that some Bayern fans based in Bavaria, they even want another team to win the title just to break <laughs> up the status quo. But I know they won't be the kind of diehard Bayern fans because obviously, as with every big club, they do have some kind of plastic fans, so to say. But I think, yeah, there are definitely people who wouldn't uh, begrudge another team winning the title just to increase interest, you know. Yeah, because I think definitely. the Bundesliga has so much potential as a league and it is a great, I mean, the fact the stadiums are absolutely packed to the rafters every single week, even at the small clubs, you know. And I think uh, it would be great to see a more competitive league with, a, with different teams winning. I, I think it's not a lack of quality that's the problem. I think it's just that Bayern is such a powerhouse, you know, and it is so hard to stop, really. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that brings us nicely onto the Champions League race. Now, obviously, we've already mentioned quite a few of the, uh, the the contenders for the Champions League. But Rory, are there any other teams that you fancy there to contend? Um, yeah, there's probably a couple that are still still knocking around. Um, I had good seasons last season as well. Um, obviously, you can't look past um, the other Borussia team, which is Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, they still got a very exciting team. Um, that were playing some nice stuff um, post post lockdown, uh, so they'll certainly be up there again. Um, we've we've not mentioned possibly the likes of uh, Hoffenheim and, and Wolfsburg, who also um, started to play some decent stuff um, post lockdown and, and were uh, were in the mix. Although it's more a, a Europa League uh, race at that point, um, but those are three teams possibly that could could again. You know, take advantage of, of slow starts or, or a poor season from you know the the fashionable or the top the usual top four. Um, yeah, they'll they'll certainly be a good and um, certainly more a competitive race of the top four than maybe the title race. Yeah, absolutely. And and another team that a lot of people are kind of excited about this year is Hertha Berlin because obviously after getting the big signing of uh, Piatek in January, which really, really excited Hertha fans because obviously I think the fact that Berlin is like such a major city in Europe and they've always lacked that kind of major football club, you know, it's what I think it's a question that a lot of foreign people ask about Germany. Like, why doesn't the capital have such a major team? Because if you look at, obviously, England, you've got Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs. In France, you've got Paris Saint-Germain. 
in pretty much every capital, Madrid, you've got the two major teams. Like pretty much every city in Europe, you've got the major teams based in the capital, really, or at least some major teams. Yeah, but I think, um, uh, would you like to see Hertha Berlin maybe have a better season this year, Rory, and challenge for the top four or the top six? Yeah, certainly be good. Good for for Berlin as a capital to have one, you know, one particular stellar team that are producing week in week out. Um, obviously, there are two two Berlin teams uh, mixing it up at the moment with uh, Union as well. Um, but yeah, if if Berlin could have a you know a consistent team that are up there in the mix, it would be good. It's good for the league. Um, I think good for the general interest in the league as well. Uh, to have obviously the capital of the country as you mentioned usually that's where the powerhouses of each individual country come from um, so yeah that would be good for the league for sure yeah absolutely yeah and what about Europa League places there any other teams on top of what you've mentioned that you fancy for Europa League I think a lot of people like like for me personally I really like the look of Union Berlin to have a good season this year I think I'm quite optimistic for both Hertha and Union I, I think maybe especially if like one of the big teams, one of the top six wins the cup and it goes down to the seventh spot as well. I do think that Union Berlin could potentially be up there with the uh, kind of top seven, top eight kind of positions. Uh, do you, any other teams in your mind? Um, I mean, I think that there'll be, there'll be a lot of competition and it'll be interesting to see how the, how the league starts off. Um, for any, you know, people who start off quickly and put a bit of pressure and, and ultimately kind of do, you know, do a bit of a Leicester City from last season because they had such a good start and they're in those Champions League spots for obviously the entirety of the season until just right at the end. But they still got themselves European football, which they might not have expected. Um, so clubs are clearly capable of doing that. Um, I mean, outside the, you know, the seven or eight that we've mentioned, I think it'd probably be a bit of a struggle for anyone else. Um, I know... Certainly, Werder Bremen, who you know were, were right in the mix of the relegation last season, um, they obviously they've got a strong, a strong, a strong playing playing squad. When they can get all their players out onto the pitch, they proved that when they started to play well at the end of the season, they were putting putting goals, you know, past teams for fun at one point, and when that confidence was flowing. Um, so with that. You know, on their back and their and their confidence being quite high, they might be able to start quite quite well. Um, certainly not an impossibility, but other than that, I don't think there'll be too many shocks. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point about Werder Bremen because obviously they were kind of the big, the huge underachievers last year, and they're actually very lucky to stay up really on away goals. I think it was <laughs> yeah. against Heidenheim, yeah. And they were they actually they need like a miracle escape as well in the last three games just to get into that relegation spot. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, Werder Bremen are like one of the kind of big five six clubs in Germany. So it would have been like I don't know, it's almost similar to like Arsenal or. Maybe not quite so severe because of the money difference, but still it would have been a, a big club. I mean, obviously there's already Hamburg playing in the second division and they're one of the kind of big four or five as well. So that would have been yeah. really crazy to see both of them in the second division. But I think obviously being a United fan yourself, uh, Rory, what do you think about Tahi Chong's uh, transfer there? Because I think some people in Germany are quite excited about his potential. Yeah, he certainly he's very 
kind of raw and he's got he's certainly got a bit about him um not that's not translated in into performances in a in a man united senior shirt he certainly showed a lot of promise in the under you know in the underage teams through the reserves and and so on through there um and the fact that he penned a new a new deal at the club just this summer obviously shows that Ollie sees something in him going forwards. Um, so yeah, it, it, this sort of, like the Bundesliga might sort Chong's game, like it might suit him quite well. Um, so hopefully he, you know, he comes over, does really well, and gets a, a load of experience and a load of game time. Um, because that would be great for the player, his confidence, and and obviously ultimately if he came back to United at one point and wanted to prove himself. Um, that's a good way to go about it. So yeah, I, I think he'll do well. Yeah, I think there's been a whole list of like young English players as well that have come over to Germany and maybe they weren't so highly rated or they weren't being given the opportunities in England. But then as soon as they come to Germany, a lot of them become like superstars. I think, for example, even Reese Nelson, uh, it, he was at Hoffenheim the season before last and it really helped him as well. Yeah. Like he's now he's not really playing every game for Arsenal, but he's getting more and more game time. You know, obviously the most famous one was Sancho, but also John Joe Kenny from Everton as well. Yeah, like uh, he was at Schalke last year. I think he's going to get more and more game time at Everton next year as well. I think there's been a lot of examples over the years. Obviously Ethan Ampudu as well got a bit of game time at Leipzig. Uh, maybe not quite as much as he would have hoped, but still, it's a good experience for him. I think Ademola Lukman as well. He went to Leipzig too. In fact, no, he permanently transferred to Leipzig now, I believe. It's about he was at Everton and he got a lot of kind of experience as well. So yeah, so we've talked a lot about the top of the table. Now, what about the bottom of the table? Because obviously it's uh, usually quite unpredictable in the Bundesliga who's going to go down, really. So uh, let's start with uh, your opinions there. Any thoughts on who's going to go down this year? Yeah, I think um, I think the two that came up will be in trouble um, this season. So starting off with Armenia Bielefeld, um, obviously they're they're one team that's probably weren't expecting to see in the Bundesliga. They've not they've not been in the Bundesliga since uh, around two thousand eight nine. Um, so obviously they're not really going to have that level of experience of top level football. Um, obviously they've got a squad that really doesn't have that many standout players. Um, I think they've signed um, Van der Horn from Swansea City, um, who who I remember quite well because he scored a goal at, against Man United way back. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're a struggle. Um, obviously, they've not really had much experience in the Bundesliga and there's so many quality outfits in the league this year. Um, so they'll they'll certainly be down there. Um, Stuttgart that came up with them, obviously they're a slightly more traditional Bundesliga team. You know, a former a former very you know powerhouse uh, in some aspects of of German football way back when. Um, they'll I think they'll struggle Burley. They've got a bit more experience, um, so that might help them ultimately. Um, a bit of bit of know how. Um, so. They'll be in the mix still. Um, other teams that were flirting around the relegation zone last year, so like your lights of Mines and Orsberg, perhaps, um, who obviously did enough 
um, to, to survive last season. Um, but if you kind of take into account the fact that Verde Bremen were down there and that was a bit of a bit of a one-off, maybe, um, then one of those two teams might have gone down as a result of uh, Verde not, you know, being there in a normal season. So certainly those four are going to be in trouble, I think. Yeah, I think another interesting point about Armenia Bielefeld as well is the fact that usually the small teams in like the smaller grounds, you need to make the most of the home games as well. But obviously we saw it with Union Berlin last year as well. They, the famous uh, stadium in the forest, you know, it's like in the middle of a forest. All the people are standing and they really, really kind of, the fans back them to the hilt and they got them a lot of big results as well, notably wins over Borussia Dortmund and some other big teams as well. And I think Armenia Bielefeld would have been hoping to do that this season, but obviously with the COVID-19 crisis, like the start of the season will be without fans. And then I do believe that here in Germany, they plan on letting a small number of fans in come like October, November time. But it's going to depend on the state that is in. It won't be like a specific number. For example, Leipzig are allowing 8,000 in, whereas in Berlin, they can only have 5,000 in the stadium. So I do think that could uh, have an impact on a team like Bielefeld as well, because it's going to be hard enough, as we said, like the, last year in the second league, they were kind of more defensive. They, they had a lot of draws. I think they had 16 or 17 draws. out of, yeah. And I think they were very hard to beat, but they weren't really a great team to watch. Although they did beat my team, Nuremberg, 5-1 in, in <laughs> yeah, Max Morlock Stadium. So they saved all the goals for that game by the start of it. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I mean, it wasn't like, a, they weren't a kind of outstanding team last year. It was mostly based on being hard to beat and a lot of other teams messing up, really. The reason why they're in the Bundesliga this year. So I think, yeah, I would agree with you that I can't see them staying up. And I think most people here in Germany agree, really, that they can't compete. I think we could see a similar situation to Paderborn last year and FC yeah. Nuremberg the year before. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I would agree with you on some of the clubs. I think for me, Augsburg and Mainz, they kind of used to be in that bottom half of the table and they usually just about do enough, you know. Mm. I think yeah. another team for me that another team for me that I really struggle to see doing well is FC Cologne as well. Because I think if you look at the way they finished the season last year, they lost like eight of the last nine games, which is just a disaster, really. And I think that if the season had been another three, four games longer, they'd probably have been relegated, really. I think, um, and I think also that there's a very, very weak defence there at Cologne. They've not really signed any quality to kind of plug the gaps there. I mean, they have brought in the goalkeeper Zeela from uh, from Hanover, who's highly rated, but. I mean, defensively, they have serious issues at that club. And I think, for me, they, they could well go down this year, along with uh, along with Bielefeld. I think Stuttgart might just have enough. They do have a bit of quality, a few flair players in there as well. But I, 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 it could potentially be third, fourth, bottom. I can't see them finishing higher than that, I wouldn't say. Okay, yeah, let's have a look at uh, the next point. Yeah, so we also wanted to talk about some of the dark causes to overachieve as well. So obviously some of the smaller teams who maybe you fancy to kind of have a really good season. Like I'll just put my thoughts in on this one first. So I think the ones for me were the two Berlin clubs, really. I'm kind of optimistic for them. I think uh, Hertha have got a really good squad. They signed a really good goalkeeper as well from Augsburg. And I do fancy... Um, Oh, from Freiburg, sorry, my apologies. Yeah, a really 
kind of long-standing goalkeeper, Kolov, Kolov. Sorry, my pronunciation's not great on that one. But it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's a really good goalkeeper there, and I think um, they've got a, a lot of reasons to be optimistic. Yeah, and Rory, any other teams that you fancy as dark horses? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've already briefly touched on them um, so far in this in this uh, recording. I think uh, Werder Bremen might might do, you know, might have a decent season after you know after such a bad one last season um i guess anything better than being in a relegation playoff is considered good for them um and obviously they're not ultimately a dark horse as they're a very well established german outfit um but seeing some of the football that they played um towards the end of the season was was actually really good to watch i obviously ultimately they were kind of playing for their careers and their you know their livelihoods at, at that time so maybe they were you know had a bit more going on it but um i still think that they've they've got a, a good you know a good caliber squad um built up built up over there and if they can keep keep a lot of their key players fit then they might be able to you know have a sneak sneak into perhaps the the mix of europa league football or or certainly a top top 10 finish wouldn't be out of the question for them yeah, I think especially when you have a quick uh, breeze through their transfer history this year as well, they've probably done some of the best business, I would say. I mean, we've already touched on Tahit Chong. I think he does have potential to have a good season this year, despite his failures in a United shirt so far. But I also think they managed to get Leonardo Bittencourt on a permanent from Hoffenheim. And yeah. He was really good on loan. He was probably their player of the season last year. And I think for seven million, that's a really good signing, to be honest with you. And I think also uh, Omer Toprak as well from Dortmund is a really good defensive signing. Quite an experienced Turkish player. And I think like they've got some really good cut price. They've kind of gone to some of these big money clubs and they've kind of got some of their fringe players. But I think really some of the signings are quite impressive there. And I, I would agree with you that they'll definitely improve on next season. I don't see them being anywhere near the, the dogfight this year anyway. And, and what about your big clubs to struggle? Do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Some of the kind of big powerhouses of German football who are going to struggle? Yeah, I mean, obviously, very much based off last season as well. I think as a, as a big club, you can't look past Schalke. Um, obviously, they're a really well-established club. And, and just after lockdown, they're in a fairly decent position to, you know, challenge for a European place. And... Just was an absolute car crash of a of a you know end of a campaign. Obviously, the manager at the moment, Wagner, um, struggling to keep keep his squad together as well. Um, you know, in in the market so far, they've lost a, a couple of players, most notably Weston McKenney, um, USA um, player who was you know one of their outstanding players in a dreadful season last season. It's gone gone on loan to Juve. But obviously, ultimately, with a with an option to buy, um, so that's a big loss in you know in the midfield in the engine room, especially. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if if they were in and around the relegation zone this season. Um, obviously, they could be last season's Werder Bremen, um, you know, really struggling at the at the wrong end of the table. So yeah, for me, they're the standout team that look in look in trouble for next season. 
Yeah, I think uh, they've got real financial problems at that club, really. I think if you, if you look, the, the, high, the highest profile signing is Ibsevic from, uh, from Hoffenheim. And while he has been like a good, solid striker for the last, I don't know, five, six years at Hoffenheim, like his age, he's well into his 30s. And he's like, yeah. he's not really the kind of free transfer as well. He's not exactly the kind of signing that's going to get Schalke fans off the, the edge of the seat, you know. I do feel a bit sorry for David Wagner because I do like him from his days at um, at uh, Huddersfield. But I think, um, I mean, he'll do, have a good job on his hands to keep his job up until Christmas, I think, to be honest, because Schalke is one of the big four clubs in Germany, along with like Bayern Munich, Dortmund and Hamburg. Mm-hmm. And I think the fans uh, have really, really high expectations and they're not going to settle for another season of like bottom half football. And I agree with Rory on some points that they could even sink even further than bottom half and go into that bottom three potentially, because I think it's, it's a low quality squad, to be honest with you. And they've lost a lot of the quality that they did have which wasn't much anyway, in, in truth, you know? Yeah. I think the other team that I would add to that list is probably Frankfurt as well. Obviously, Frankfurt two years ago were just a penalty shootout away from the Europa League final. They also won the German Cup, which was like their kind of biggest night in their history, really, beating Bayern Munich. I think at that time they had uh, Kovac as the coach. They had some really good players like Haller, Jovic and, um, and Rebic. And I think it's really sad to see where they've fallen since. Again, another club that you could say that the board has put money ahead of success, really, because they've not really reinvested a lot of the money that they um, that they received in those transfers. I mean, I, it's unknown whether they have like financial issues there, but it's uh, last season, obviously, a poor season finishing in lower mid-table. I expect more of the same this season, or again, potentially, they could even slip a couple of places further down and be involved with that Maya at the bottom of the league, I think. But it's uh, it, which is a pity because Frankfurt is like a really cool city and they've got great fans as well at Frankfurt. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and um, yeah, the, the next point we wanted to discuss in this preview is about uh, the fast starters. So we've had a little look at the first five fixtures from all of the Bundesliga teams, and I just want to find out from Rory what you think. Who does he fancy to kind of fly out of the blocks this season? So yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, having having had a quick look at um, the uh, the first five fixtures for the coming season, uh, it looks like RB um, Leipzig could could have a quick start to the to their season. A um, couple of quite presentable fixtures in their first five. Um, they have got a tricky game against Leverkusen, um, second game up. However. Other than that, those four games are really winnable. Um, and ultimately, if if they want to be putting pressure on Bayern, they need, obviously they do need to come out of the traps um, and be, you know, at least four four for five, or if not five five wins out of five. Um, obviously, looking outside of RB, um, the fixtures uh, have have fallen quite <laughs> quite nicely for Bayern as well. Um, Without you know, sounded like a broken record. Uh, as you know, as bad a start as sometimes by an R, the the fixtures look really nicely put out for them already. Um, even if they are, you know, maybe struggling a little bit, perhaps mentally, maybe they're not as motivated sometimes. If they've come off the, especially if they've come off the back of the treble winning season, 
are they are they going to be that up for it to start with, especially after not having much of a break? Um, but I still expect them probably to be five out of five. So it's going to be tough for many teams, as we've mentioned, if if Bayern start as quick as as they may well do. Um, so yeah, certainly at the top end of the seat, uh, top end of the league, that's that's what it looks like it could be a quick start for those two teams. Yeah, and I think um, while I, yeah, I think uh, towards the bottom, the kind of mid-table, lower end of the season, I think the side that I fancy to really come out of the blocks flying is my beloved Union Berlin. I think I think viewers of the show can probably already tell that I have quite a soft spot for Union Berlin. <laughs> yeah. But it's um, but yeah, I think they've got some really nice home games in there. Like they start with games like Mainz, Freiburg, and yeah, at home. I think that's a really nice... I mean, they've got a couple of tricky away games, Schalke, but you've got a question, is Schalke a tricky game more on name rather than on team? And I think it's yeah. a case of yes, because as we mentioned before, both of us fancies Schalke to have a difficult season this year. So I think realistically there, you've got four out of the kind of... Like with Augsburg, Freiburg, Mainz and Schalke, you've got like four of the potential strugglers, three of them at home. So I think... You could realistically be looking at like 10 points from the first five games there easily. I mean, obviously, it's harder, easier said than done. Like some of these teams are pretty capable as well. But I think with the fact that like Augsburg have lost a few key players as well, like probably their best player, Philip Max, actually left the club this year. And I think they will like that as a first fixture. And while they still have some quality in there, the likes of Florian, Lieder, Lechner, I think... Um, Overall, I think you'd fancy Union Berlin to get off to a good start there at home against Augsburg. And the, the same with teams like Freiburg, who've also been unfortunately weakened this year after a brilliant season last year, finishing ninth, which was totally unexpected. They've also lost some key players as well. And I think uh, Union will be quite hopeful that they can get some points on the board nice and early to avoid a, a relegation battle and push on for that mid-table as well. Yeah. Okay. So that brings us on to another major point of discussion before any pre-season, before any season commences, which is the transfers. So obviously with the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been like, I think globally, apart from in Chelsea, I think there has been a global kind of transfer slowdown really, which is natural considering money's a little bit tighter. Maybe travel schedules are a little bit uh, not so easy to organize. So, but there have still been some pretty big deals in the Bundesliga, yeah. So, so Rory, uh, any that really stand out there that you're looking forward to seeing? Yeah, I mean, the the ones I'm looking forward to seeing, um, obviously more on a kind of positive note rather than the players that have um, actually exited the league, um, which obviously are quite noticeable. But in terms of players that I look, obviously like the look of. Um, It'd be good to see Leroy Sane back back playing football um, after a long layoff. Um, you know, it, quite hard to watch him at Man City tearing things up as a Man United fan. Um, but yeah, obviously he's missed a lot of football, so he obviously just adds to the the absolute plethora of attacking talent that um, Bayern have got. Um, and obviously he has. Ivan Perisic has gone back uh, to his parent club, uh, as has Coutinho. So obviously that, you know, there was a bit of a, a gap in the squad depth in that regard. So Sane fills that perfectly for Bayern. Um, so that's obviously a major plus point for them. 
uh, and his age profile as well being you know a very good age um other than that obviously it'll be really interesting to see how jude bellingham gets on at borussia dortmund's yet another young englishman who's found his way um over in the in the bundesliga um obviously so so fresh and young at the moment um obviously heard lots and lots and lots of good things from birmingham city um you know they've gone as far as retiring his old number <laughs> which uh did make me laugh considering his age and you know the amount of <laughs> appearances he's managed to probably knock up at, at birmingham but yeah, I mean, he looks like a real talent. Um, I'm sure he'll get game time at, at the club. So, yeah, he'll be a really exciting player to watch, obviously, especially mixing in that um, already attacking, exciting attacking lineup that Dortmund already have with Sancho, Reiner and Haaland, obviously, if they do keep Sancho. Um, so that's certainly one player that, that'll be interesting to look out for. Um, so, and then maybe one other is being... Uh, Lazaro, that's a player that's come into into Borussia Mönchengladbach. That's you know adding to their exciting line as well. Um, hope, hope obviously that will strengthen their um, push towards Champions League football. Um, so he's another one that obviously like the look of. Um, obviously, it's a shame for the league in general that the likes of you know Timo Werner and and Kai Havertz have you know, have already kind of left their clubs. I mean, I suppose it's fair enough that Werner was knocking around RB for quite a while, but Havertz probably could have made a, a real major impact on the Bundesliga and been, you know, a proper standout player for years to come. Um, but I guess the draw to Chelsea was too much. So, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how the new faces get on. Yeah, I think it's interesting you touch on the Jude Bellingham transfer because I think like maybe even two or three years ago, it would have been unthinkable that like a young English talent to go abroad. Because I think um, obviously in the past, it was always the classic, like the, the young English player comes from like a smaller club and goes to like one of the top like five, six powerhouse clubs. But I think obviously, given the fact that a lot of players have had their careers effectively ruined by these big clubs, you know, I mean, there's, there's no end of players where like Danny Drinkwater, Scott Sinclair, Jack Rodwell, Paul won't thank me for saying some of that, but I think there's no real denying the fact that, yeah, uh, moves too early in the career destroyed because they don't get enough game time. You know, it's like, I think you, you can't put a young talent just on the bench playing under 21s football for like years on end. And I think you've seen, obviously, Sancho is kind of the the real big success story, but you've seen other success stories as well. Reese Nelson, obviously, um, there's been really a lot of these young English guys. John Joe Kenny, another one. There have been a lot of them. Some of them are a lower level. Even if you look in the second German league, there's a lot of players on loan from Arsenal, Chelsea. It would really surprise you, I think. And I think, obviously, yeah. the fact that Jude Bellingham has decided to join to take the challenge to kind of learn a new culture, to learn a new language possibly. I think it's a real kind of, uh, it shows just how highly these young English players, first of all, value the Bundesliga and secondly, how much they want to play first team football at the highest level. Uh, I think it really has helped the, the English national team as well. Obviously, Sancho now is a first team regular. It's, it's really good, I think it's... Uh, yeah, and I think also other transfers. I think one that you didn't mention as well, which we touched on a little bit earlier, was Patrick Schick. 
to Leverkusen. I think you mentioned that Havertz has left, but I think he's a very able um, replacement. Played a lot of football on loan from Roma at RB Leipzig last year. I'm surprised that Leipzig didn't try and take him permanently. Maybe it was a financial issue. I don't know, but I think like he was a regular fixture in their starting lineup that made the semi-finals of the Champions League. I think that's a 26.5 million. I think that's a pretty decent uh, by German standards. That's really a lot of money. By yeah. German people think that's like a mega transfer, but I think obviously compared to English sums, it's really peanuts to be honest. You know. You see championship players going for almost that kind of amount now. But I think, yeah, that's a really good transfer. I think um, also Lazar Samadzic as well from Hertha to uh, RB Leipzig, highly rated Serbian midfielder uh, that kind of made his name at Hertha. That could be a bit of a dent in Hertha's chance of finishing high up as well. But another good young signing for Leipzig, continuing their kind of... Uh, project of signing young, uh, hungry players and then selling them on for big profits, really. I think, yeah, I think um, any thoughts of like signings that surprise you a little bit or maybe you're a little bit disappointed with? Um, I mean, I think due to the, you know, the situation that COVID-19 has put um, lots of clubs in is, is probably the reason why there's not been that much uh certainly going on in the bundesliga uh in terms of incomings um quite a lot of teams seem to be you know reverting to a you know going back to the sort of loan deals um that might have you know paid dividends in the past um like for example obviously rb as you mentioned haven't gone you know big for for Patrick Skitt, they've obviously had to kind of, you know, knock that on the head and they've gone back to say, you know, they've gone for another loan option for Angelino, um, which, you know, they'll just have to be contributing wage, you know, wages to rather than big uh, lump sums. Um, you know, teams probably can't gamble too much on, you know, big transfers in, in this sort of circumstance because of potentially putting themselves out of business just, you know, by doing the one big transfer that doesn't go well for them. Um, so I think that's probably the nature of why we've not seen that many big transfers this so far this season. Obviously, there's still about a month to go until the window closes. Um, so as the season starts and particular teams might struggle, then they might just have to react and have to go into the market even if they don't want to. Um, so I think there'll probably be more as we go along. Um, whether there'll be any major ones, we'll have to see. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point that you make about loans as well, because I think one of the, probably one of the big signings as well that we haven't mentioned that yet was Valentino Lazaro. From he was kind of like he was a failed transfer into Milan, but I think to to go to Gladbach, it could be a really it's a huge coup for them really to get Lazaro. I think it's um, obviously like didn't really do his stuff at Inter Milan, but I think. Uh, um, I think at uh, Gladbach, obviously playing Champions League as well, it's a great opportunity for him to kind of get his career back on track and also an exciting signing for uh, Gladbach fans as well. I think another one um, that maybe might get Dortmund fans excited is this signing of the young uh, midfield Brazilian uh, Rainier. Well, I'm not quite sure how on the pronunciation there, Rainier or Rainier. But I think, um, yeah, it's another young signing from Real Madrid. Obviously, Dortmund had the success with Hakimi for two years as well, who was really successful at fullback. 
that could be another one that kind of excites. Although I, I can't profess to know too much about him myself yet, but maybe we will get to know more about him in the coming weeks. So, um, yeah, ju just another point, just on the managers as well, obviously, just a little talk about the managers. Uh, Lucien Favre is still at Dortmund. Does that surprise you a bit? Because I know a lot of the Dortmund fans were kind of tired of him, really. Yeah, I think um, he's maybe on borrowed time a little bit at, at Dortmund. And, you know, so often they're, you know, they're wanting to be the team that knocks Bayern off their perch. Um, and obviously... In recent seasons, they've not been able to really do that. Um, you know, they still, generally speaking, play this good attacking brand of football. Um, but I think, as as the club culture, they want they want success. Um, a slow start might pave the way for the board to to make a decision and maybe maybe get rid and bring bring someone new in with you know some new ideas and. You know, maybe someone that's you know proved himself in in the Bundesliga with a you know with a slightly lower team down um, and might have something like a similar effect like Klopp did. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that. Yeah, because I think you can't really say that Dortmund haven't backed the board in the last few years. Like, I mean, they're trying the absolute best to keep Sancho as well. Which in the I think both of us predicted on the end of season review that it was a, a shoe in that Sancho will be going. <laughs> United really but obviously it's getting closer and closer to that deadline and they seem to be really trying to avoid losing one of the best players and I think they, they, they deserve credit for that and I think obviously the signing of Haaland as well I think I think Dortmund always have that kind of transfer coup because of the name I mean I think uh, everybody remembers that great Klopp team when they made the Champions League final and I think for a few years the yellow wall was kind of like the the envy of every club really on the planet really and yeah. I think the fans and the culture of the club like will always kind of be a pull to players as well. Obviously, I think everybody expected Haaland to join either Leipzig or one of the English giants, whereas he chose Dortmund. He's probably not getting paid as much as he would have been at some other clubs as well. So I think that shows the kind of pull and that the board are doing more and more to kind of support a transfer point, uh, a title push. But Favre... I mean, obviously, the season before last season, he went to the last day, but they should have had the title one that year, really. They were nine, ten points clear, and they blew up. Then, obviously, last year, it was kind of the title showdown with four games to go against Bayern, and again, they came up short. So, I think um, more is expected, really, and I think they should be challenging better than what they are, really, in my view. Okay, so just to finish this preview, uh, I just want to go to the... The kind of final predictions. Um, myself and Rory are both going to give our top four, our European place, our um, Europa League places, which is fifth and sixth, and then our bottom three. So remember that in the Bundesliga, the third from bottom is uh, is like a kind of relegation playoff where the team plays the third from top in the second division, and then the bottom two teams are uh, automatically relegated. So. So over to you, Rory. What do you think? Right. So, um, so my top top six, or we'll say top four, will go as follows. So Bayern will win it in first, um, followed by RB Leipzig in second place. They'll be runners up again. Uh, third place, Borussia Mönchengladbach. 
Uh, and then Borussia Dortmund will come fourth because I think Sancho will eventually <laughs> come to Man United. Fingers crossed, we'll see. Um, and then, uh, so that's top four, Champions League. Uh, outside of that, I'm going to say um, Wolfsburg will get fifth place, um, as well as Hoffenheim in sixth. Um Sorry, scratch that. I'm going to say Leverkusen fifth uh, and Wolfsburg sixth. And then my uh, my bottom three. So 18th place and last, I'll say Armenia will, uh, will struggle massively. So they're going straight back down. Um, and then saying Augsburg will come 17th. So they'll automatically go down. And then Stuttgart, newly promoted, will get that 16th place in have a, a relegation playoff match, which I reckon they'll win. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so for myself, um, I, I agree that Bayern have got to be the title winners this year. But I, I, my uh, my second place, I'm going Leverkusen, actually. I, I, yeah, I know Rory tipped them as fifth, but that's one big kind of disparity between our uh, disparity between our predictions. So I'm going to go for Leverkusen second and then Leipzig uh, in third and then Dortmund I agree in fourth because I'm just not fully sold on Favre and I think um, the sale of a few key players might affect them as well and I think it is generally I think it's a very competitive top four or five this year in the Bundesliga then in fifth I'm going to go for Hertha Berlin I've been tipping them up so I've got to put my money where my mouth is I guess you know and say like (laughs) And say, yeah, they're going to finish fifth this year. There's usually a shock in the Bundesliga of a team that do better than expected. Then I'm going to go um, um, Wolfsburg in sixth. And then Union Berlin in seventh, actually. I I added Union in there because they're another of my favourite little clubs. And I do. I think some of you might be wondering where Gladbach are in my predictions. But I think Champions League and then potentially Europa League could derail them. And generally, they have a pretty smallish squad, and I think uh, too many games could derail their challenge for a top six, seven finish. Then third, uh, then third from bottom, I'm going to go for Freiburg. Actually, so despite them having a good season last year, I think they might drop back a few places due to a few rel- uh, a few key departures, particularly the goalkeeper. Uh, and then my bottom two are going to be FC Cologne and Armenia Bielefeld. I think Bielefeld, for reasons that we've mentioned before, and Cologne, just based on their lack of transfer activity and also the uh, their poor finish at the end of last year, where it kind of makes my decision. Second season syndrome, as they say. Okay, so so I think that pretty much concludes our first ever Bundesliga show. So I just want to remind you guys that um, from the first week of the season, which is next, which is Friday the 18th to Sunday the 20th. We will record sometime over that weekend and then you'll be able to see the video as of the Monday morning uh, when you're on your way to work or whatever. We we really hope that you tune in and that you enjoyed our first ever show. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we look forward to uh, checking in with you guys again. So thank you again for joining us for our first Bundesliga show. We hope you enjoy the first week of action and we will see you back in uh, next weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you very much.